The 14th century English mystic Julian of Norwich has been talked about by people in many different ways, but first and foremost, she's the author of an extraordinary text, The Revelations, which is the earliest known text authored by a woman in English. Personally, she has been a friend and companion in my Christian life for over 30 years. I'm the Reverend David Simmons, Episcopal priest and oblate in the Order of Julian of Norwich. Thank you for joining me as we read and pray through the works of this extraordinary woman of faith and explore what she has to teach us about God's love. Good morning, and welcome to Love Was His Meaning, Reading and Praying with Julian of Norwich, and we're in chapter 36. But before we get into Julian, we'll do our little office. The link is found in the description. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Let's pray together Psalm 84. How dear to me is your dwelling, O Lord of hosts. My soul has a desire and longing for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh rejoice in the living God. The sparrow has found her a house, and the swallow a nest where she may lay her young. By the side of your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Happy are they who dwell in your house. They will always be praising you. Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on the pilgrim's way. Those who go through the desolate valley will find it a place of springs, for the early rains have covered it with pools of water. They will climb from height to height, and the God of gods will reveal himself in Zion. Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Hearken, O God of Jacob. Behold our defender, O God, and look upon the face of your anointed. For one day in your courts is better than a thousand in my own room, and to stand at the threshold of the house of my God, than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is both sun and shield. He will give grace and glory. No good thing will the Lord withhold from those who walk with integrity. O Lord of hosts, happy are they who put their trust in you. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Let us say together a prayer of Julian. God of your goodness, give me yourself, for you are enough to me, and I can ask nothing that is less that can be full honor to you. And if I ask anything that is less, I shall always be in want, for only in you have I all. Amen. So here we are in chapter 36. I'm just going to start reading and we'll talk about it afterwards. Our Lord God showed me that a deed shall be done, and he himself shall do it, and it shall be honorable and marvelous and fruitful, and by me it shall be done, and he himself shall do it. And this is the highest joy that the soul recognized, that God himself shall do it, and I shall do nothing at all except sin, and my sin will not hinder his goodness from working. And I saw that the beholding of this is a heavenly joy in a fearful soul, which evermore naturally by grace desires God's will. This deed shall be begun here, and it shall be honorable to God, and plentifully beneficial to his lovers on earth. As ever we come to heaven, we shall see it in marvelous joy, and it shall last thus in action until the last day. And the honor and the bliss of it shall continue in heaven before God and all his holy ones without end. 
In this way was this deed seen and interpreted in our Lord's intention, and the reason he showed it to us is to cause us to rejoice in him in all his works. When I saw his showing continued, I understood that it was shown as a great event which was to come, which God showed that he himself would do. This deed has these qualities which I mentioned before. This he showed most blissfully, intending that I should accept it wisely, faithfully, and trustingly. But what this deed would be, that was kept secret from me. And in this, I saw that he wills not that we fear to know the things that he shows. He shows them because he wishes us to know them. And by his knowledge, he wills that we love him and delight in him and endlessly rejoice in him. Because of the great love he has for us, he shows us all that is honorable and beneficial for the present. The things that he wills to have secret now, still of his great goodness, he shows them concealed, in which showing he wills that we believe and recognize that we shall see them truly in his endless bliss. Then we ought to rejoice in him, both for all that he shows and for all that he hides. And if we willingly and humbly do this, we shall find therein great ease, and we shall have endless favor from him for that. Thus is the interpretation of this word, that it shall be done by me, that is, the general man, that is to say, all that shall be saved. It shall be honorable and marvelous and fruitful, and God himself shall do it. And this shall be the highest joy that can be, to behold the deed that God himself shall do, and man shall do absolutely nothing except sin. Then, then means our Lord God thus, as if he said, Behold and see. Here thou hast cause for dis humility. Here thou hast cause for love. Here thou hast cause to know thyself. Here thou hast cause to rejoice in me, and because of my love, do rejoice in me. For of all things, with that thou canst most please me. And as long as we are in this life, whenever we by our folly turn to considering those who have been judged, tenderly our Lord God touches us and blessedly calls us, saying in our soul, Let me be all thy love, my dear worthy child. Occupy thyself with me, for I am enough for thee and rejoice in thy Savior and in thy salvation. And I am certain that this is our Lord's action in us. The soul that is pierced with it by grace shall see it and experience it. And though it is so that this deed be truly understood for the general man, yet it does not exclude the particular. For what our good Lord wishes, wishes to do in regard to his poor creatures is now unknown to me. This deed and the other I have mentioned before they are not both one, but two different ones. However, this deed shall be done sooner, and the other one shall be when we come to heaven. And to whom our Lord gives it, this deed can be known here in part, but the great deed mentioned before shall neither be known in heaven nor earth until it is done. Besides this, he gave special understanding and teaching about the working of miracles thus, it is known that I have done miracles here before, many and very exalted and astounding, honorable and great, and just as I have done in the past, so I do now constantly, and shall do in the course of time. It is known that before miracles come sorrow and anguish and tribulation, so that it is so that we would know our own feebleness and our own misfortune that we have fallen into by sin in order to humble us and cause us to fear God, crying for help and grace. And great miracles come after that and they come from the exalted power, wisdom, and goodness of God, showing his strength and the joys of heaven, insofar as that can be in this passing life, and that in order to strengthen our faith and to increase our hope in love. For that reason, it pleases him to be known and honored in miracles.
Then he means thus. He wills that we not be carried overly low because of sorrows and temptations that befall us, for it has ever been this way before the, the, before the coming of miracles. That's a long chapter. <laughs> All right. Uh, so first thing, let me get a drink here. First thing is to note that he's talking about a deed here now, or she's talking about a deed here. In the previous chapter, she's talked about the great deed that will be done at the end that will make all things well. This is not what she's talking about here. This is a separate deed uh, that is done sooner, um, that we really have no insight. Uh, and in fact, she kind of indicates that it's it's something that it hasn't happened yet, that it, it will happen, um, that it shall be done by God and it shall be done by me, is what she says. But when she says me in this term, she's always talking about the generality of hum humanity. She quite often uses that conceit of talking about me and then switches into language about all of humanity. So she stands in because God is revealing this to her, not for her, but for all of humanity. Um, but uh, so it's really hard to tell what exactly she's talking about here. No, no, none of the commentators I have seem to have any idea. It, it appears to be something that she thought would be coming fairly soon and might have happened. Um, one of the things that I'll, I'll say up front here is she spends a lot of time at the end of this chapter talking about miracles and their role. So I tend to think that this deed that she's talking about is something that she expects to be miraculous. Uh, and maybe it happened in between the short text and the long text. It's really, it's really hard to say here. Um, but there are some really good um, nuggets of wisdom here. So, for instance, this is the highest joy that the soul recognizes, that God himself shall do it, and I shall do nothing at all except sin, and my sin shall not hinder his goodness from working. So, you know, she's been obsessed with this idea of sin and and seeing how that sin would make it, uh, makes her question how all can be well at the end of time. You know, if looking around her, she just can't understand how all can be made well. Um, this deed is going to happen, and it's going to happen despite the fact that Julian does nothing to help at all except sin. No, nothing to do except hinder it, so, so to speak. But the sin shall not hinder his goodness from working. So, you know, it's this overwhelming power of God that um, no matter... Uh, in. in uh, how little we help this deed along that she's she's talking about, it will still happen because it comes from the goodness and the grace of God. Um, and our sin in the face of that is immaterial. So that's something to remember. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't spend any time uh, thinking about repenting of and trying to change, amend and change our lives, but that the our individual sins are in the grand calculus of the universe such a tiny thing. Uh, we quite often become really obsessed about our individual sins and what bad sinners we are and all that kind of stuff. And like I said, it's good It's good to spend some time with that. But we have to understand that in the calculus of God's grace moving through, through creation for eternity, those things are so tiny. They won't, they're not going to stop God's grace at all, is basically what, what Julian is saying. So the deed will be begun here. So this is not the one at the end of time that you see when you get to heaven. It's one that's begun here. Uh, and it will be honorable, honorable and beneficial to God and cause us to rejoice in him and all his works. Some more talk about secrecy here. 
Uh, and the fact that, um, you know, she often uses that metaphor, she doesn't use it in this chapter, but the idea of uh, the private counsel of a great lord. Uh, sometimes the private counsel of a great lord has to be um, kept private in order for it to work. Um, you know, that metaphor rings a little weird, weirder to us who don't live any longer in a feudal society and have been things through things like the Pentagon Papers and stuff like that, where we don't necessarily, we have a hermeneutic of suspicion about our leaders. But if you're thinking about God as the ultimate Lord and the one who always has our best interests and has all the information in front of them and always makes the correct choice, it's a different thing. Um, the, that private counsel is something that's kept from us because in some ways, the, the way she puts it, um, is that the, sometimes the hiding is beneficial for us uh, because it allows us freer movement of action, uh, I think is generally the way to think about that. Um, she hits another note here of considering those who have been judged. We remember several uh, chapters before she wanted to see purgatory in hell, and God basically clammed up at that point and didn't say another word to her until she'd moved on. Um, you know, basically, here's an answer from God saying, Let me be all thy love, my dear worthy child. Occupy thyself with me. For I am enough for thee, and rejoice in thy Savior and in thy salvation. So don't spend your time worrying about other people and who gets into heaven, who gets into hell, um, who is saved at the end, who is, is there. Those are matters that you can't, re you don't control. So therefore, rejoice in your Savior and rejoice in your salvation. Um, the other thing is that although this deed, whatever this deed is, is understood for the general person, so in general, it doesn't exclude the particular. So uh, what she's saying here is um, just because something is for all of humanity, um, that includes all of the particularity. So um, we don't want to go too general. We want to remember that each person is individually affected by all of the deeds that Jesus does. Um, so, and then talk, she talks a little bit about miracles. I already did that. And her last sentence here is, is kind of helpful. He wills that we not be carried overly low because of sorrows and temptations that befall us, for it has ever been this way before the coming of miracles. In medieval times, an awful lot of things were identified as miracles. Uh, and partially, you know, you got to be careful about this because you don't want to say that that people before us we're any less intelligent or um, any less developed than we are. We are more technologically sophisticated they are, than they are. But in many ways, sometimes mentally, they were uh, they, they, they were doing things at younger ages than we can even imagine these days. But, um, you know, they would see a lot of things that would happen in the day to day as a miraculous, you know, somebody recovering from a particular illness or, or um, uh, that kind of thing would be something that we would we would analyze, we would take down to the last atom, and we would decide, no, that, that's, that's a function of this and this and this that led to that person's recovery. Uh, although there are still some medical recoveries we can't uh, talk about, or, or things that happen in, in nature that they might attribute to miracles. And while we have, this is one thing that I quite often say is we have modern scientific explanations for the causation of these things. But still, there's always a question of the, the origin and the move of these things. Um, 
And I think one of the things we have lost in modernity, we have, we have gained so much through science. I mean, I, I give thanks to God for giving us the minds to use science and for the, the, the people that are working in the field of science every day uh, to improve our lot as human beings. But one of the things that we lose, uh, we, we have lost over the years, is the appreciation and the wonder uh, for the things that we now can explain through causation. Um, you know, we can now, uh, you can go to Grand Teton's National Park and, and look at the mountains and think about the way that the, the mountains were formed. Um, and if you spend too much time on that, you can just miss the entire beauty of the place and the wonder that flows over you. Um, so I think one of the things that we can look back with a mystic, especially from the medieval period, is um, looking at the way that so much around us, whether we can explain it or not, is miraculous. Uh, so much around us is filled with wonder. So much around us is filled with the power of God, uh, whether we have a rational explanation for it or not. Let's continue with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I bid your prayers for the people of Eastern Europe, particularly the people of Ukraine. I bid your prayers for everyone on our parish prayer list. And I bid your prayers either silently or aloud at this time. Let us pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Most holy Lord, the ground of our beseeching, who through your servant St. Julian revealed the wonder of your love, Grant that as we are created in your nature and restored by your grace, our wills may be so made one with yours that we may come to see you face to face and gaze on you forever. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me for Love Was His Meaning again. Uh, next uh, week we'll go into chapter 37. Um, into into yet more interesting stuff. Um, and talking about how her message is meant for all. Um, so until then, uh, take care and God bless. Thank you for joining me for Love Was His Meaning today. This podcast is generally available twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The text of Julian's Revelations used in this podcast is The Complete Julian by Father John Julian Swanson OJN and is used by permission of the Order of Julian of Norwich. The theme music is Julian of Norwich by Bombadil and is used under license.